Well, thank you very much for being here. I really appreciate uh, appreciate your attendance, your continued engagement, and I'm uh, I'm grateful to be able to have some time to worship with you this morning, as well as to fellowship with you. Um, you know, I, before I get going, I, I just want to uh, remind everybody. Uh, first of all, if you would see, we've got a flyer here that's got uh, talks a little bit about our mission and our vision, and uh, the upcoming dates and speakers that we have. Uh, very excited about that. Uh, we've got a um, we're we're uh, we're booked through the rest of the year, and uh, just really really excited to uh, hear from each one of these speakers. <clears throat> the other thing I want to talk about is um, the mission and vision of uh, of the men's group. I got a good reminder of this last night. Um, again, the mission mission of the REMC men's group is to encourage men to take the next step in their walks of faith as we journey together. And I I, I got a good reminder last night. I, I got a call from uh, well I got I got home got home a little late and um, uh, my wife said my wife uh, my wife said hey, you know I need to talk to you and I said well you know. What do you, you know, <laughs> you got a little concerned when you get that one, right? <laughs> um, but, uh, but, but this is actually a serious story. Um, she said, um, one of our friend's wives called, said, uh, she'd like you to, she'd like you to reach out to him. Um, this is a guy that, uh, I've known for 12, 13 years. And, uh, and, and certainly, um, if you heard my story, my, my faith walk, you know, we started started running about 2000, and he was one of the guys I was running with uh, in terms of running off to the Lord. But, um, you know, we've kind of gone on separate ways a little bit just because just of kids and time and space, and you know the deal, but remain, remain as dear friends as, as ever. But uh, she called and said, would you please ask Tim to reach out to him? Someone needs to speak some truth into his life, and we need to get some things back on track. That is a really hard call to get. It's a good call to get. Um, but to me, it's a reminder, as I was driving here this morning, I was praying about it. It's a reminder of what, what that, that's why we're here. That's what we do here. Okay? We talk about, when I, a lot of times when I'm focused on encouraging men to take the next step in their walks of faith, I think I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying, you know, we want to get everyone to do something you know, you know, to, to, to step out in faith. Okay? But sometimes all we just need to do is we just need to keep walking on the path that we're on. And I think being in a group of men like this is one way, and being engaged is one way that, that we can help men in our lives stay connected, stay on that path. And I think a lot of times when I, when I send out a note and I'm saying, hey, invite someone to come, you know, come walk with us, a lot of time the person that's on my mind is someone that may not be walking with the Lord right now. But I think we need to continue to, to pray and think about those people in our lives that are walking, okay, but need encouragement, need accountability, okay? Um, so, anyways, didn't mean to start off on such a serious note, but, but, um, um, I, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to getting together with my friend and, and, uh, we just need to, we have so many great friends. The Lord has put so many men in our lives. We need to be great friends. We need to love them and we need to encourage them. So, that's that. So, it was a good reminder. Um, and I think being engaged in, in something like this helps us to do that. Okay? Alright, great. So, with that, um, I'm gonna introduce our, uh, our, our speaker today. Um, John Moeller. 
Um, John is the CEO of Action Ministries, um, and he'll tell a little bit about it, but his, uh, I'm just going to read his bio. As the leader of Action Ministries, John charts the course of the overall organization, as well as his nine programs, including eight physical site locations, which offer hunger, housing, and education solutions to homeless and low-income families across North Georgia. During his short tenure as CEO, the organization um, acquired another hunger organization, became the joint recipient of a $1 million grant to serve veterans, became the service provider for two permanent supported housing organizations with more than 400 residents, as well as doubling its transitional housing and children's program for homeless mothers and their children, and launched the Child Nutrition Summer Lunch Initiative that serves 117,000 uh, lunches in its inaugural year and more than 210,000 in year two. Under his leadership, revenue has increased from 2.7 million in 2011 to 5.7 million in 2013. And prior to joining Action Ministries in June 2011, John served for 11 year, uh, for 10 years in a similar capacity at Must Ministries, a Cobb County-based nonprofit committed to helping neighbors in need. While at Must Ministries, he refined the nonprofit's operations, led a successful $6.8 million capital campaign, and provided opportunities for volunteers to serve the needs of 31,000 homeless and low-income people in six metro Atlanta counties. Um, John has been the recipient of several awards, including the Cobb Cobb Chamber of Commerce's uh, Mark Henderson Public Service Award, Georgia Power Citizens Where You Serve Award, Georgia Trend named him uh, to its 40 Under 40 leadership roster, and most recently he was a recipient of the Bulldog 100, class of 2014, for leading one of the fastest-growing businesses and nonprofits in the state. He also serves on the Georgia Board of State Continuum of Care, Board of Directors, which works to improve housing and service options that can lead individuals and families from homelessness to housing stability in the 152 counties served by the Continuum. John has a Master's of Divinity from the Candlewick School of Theology of Emory University and a Bachelor's Degree in Business Administration from the University of Georgia. In addition to his daily duties as CEO, uh, John is also a presenter and speaker on the topics of poverty, including homelessness, housing and hunger, volunteerism, vision, visioning, and strategic planning. He and his wife, Lori, are ordained ministers, and John is an elder at the, in the North Georgia Conference of the United Methodist Church. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce my friend, John Moeller. I'm so proud to be here and stand before you uh, among friends uh, to see Rusty in the back there, Chris Damico. I, I got Chris Damico out. Uh, I feel I feel pretty special. Um, and and Tim and Mike, um, who I called Tom a minute ago, um, great friends, great friends. Um, but uh, Tim Kittredge is uh, I, I described him earlier as a real fire plug. Um, and, and somebody goes, yeah, in a good way. <laughs> um, but uh, he serves on our board of directors at Action Ministries and is uh, in his first year of that service. And we're grateful um, to have him shared with us. And uh, we, we really appreciate his leadership. Chris also, Chris Damico, has served on our board and capably chaired our board when I was hired four years ago. Um, and so... Those are a few guys that you can look to and get a little more information uh, from about Action Ministries to the degree you're interested. But, uh, 
Yeah, you know, I just am reflecting on our spring break trip. Um, you know, many of you remember the uh, the taking the family on spring break, and uh, so we we did that this year. We went up to Washington D.C. and uh, did all the memorials and the Smithsonian's and. Uh, you know, walked their little legs, you know, right off. I've got girls at my house. They're 10 and 13. Um, I left them in the bed this morning. Um, and, uh, so we just, we had a, a wonderful time and, and, you know, the first day was fabulous and the second day was good and the third day was starting to, you know, everyone started to get tired and on each other's nerves. Um, but the third day was the day that we did the Capitol. And did the Lincoln Memorial. And, and, you know, a couple things struck me about Washington, D.C. I go regularly. I, I, this is a part of my repertoire. And I'm always struck by how the city is under construction. Always. You know, things are happening in that place. Um, there are new things to see. Um, the FDR Memorial was new to me. I hadn't seen the Martin Luther King Memorial. Um, I hadn't been to the museum. And if you haven't been there, you should go. Um, the Spy Museum. Um, take the grandkids and go see that. It's cool. But um, So I was struck by the fact that this is a bustling place that's always changing. Um, and the Capitol was under construction as well. Um, and that was too bad. I really wanted to see, I wanted the kids to see it in all its glory, but it was shrouded in scaffolding. And we did the tour and got the video. And, and I was struck by... <coughs> Uh, the fact that the dome that's on the Capitol, you probably know this, but I, I had forgotten or didn't know it. It's the third dome that's been on the Capitol. Um, I guess the first one burned maybe when uh, in the War of 1812. Um, there was another one apparently that was just not very impressive. And somebody had, it, it just needed to be more impressive. And so during Abraham Lincoln's presidency, the current dome that is on the Capitol was under construction, under his leadership. And uh, I thought that was interesting. Um, but I thought the, the most fascinating thing about that was the fact that that construction continued from the first moment that he was president all the way through his entire presidency. That was during the darkest moments of our union. Uh and, you know, here we are, we're at war with each other, the, the, the union has been ripped asunder, and we are building a Capitol Dome. I mean, can't you just imagine the letters to the editor? Right? You know? I mean, people are going, what are we doing here? We're at war with each other, and we're building a dome? And Lincoln took those criticisms straight on and said... If, and I'm paraphrasing, if we stop building this dome, the American people will think we have lost our resolve. That we will win this war and we will put this country back together. And the fact that we build this dome and we work on it and it goes up week by week, month by month, it is a sign to the American people. I admire and I think we all do, Abraham Lincoln. And so from there, we walk the mall, past the Washington Monument, past the reflecting pool, up those grand steps of the Lincoln Memorial, where we stood at the feet of the statue 
of Abraham Lincoln. And as we looked at him and at his likeness, if you turned to the left, these words were printed on the side. Four score and seven years ago, our forefathers brought forth on this continent a new nation. We all in school, or at least I hope we all, learned those words. Those are the first words of the Gettysburg Address. First words are important. First words are important. You know, as parents, we listen for our children's first words. And as dads, what do we want that first word to be? Dada. Yeah, it's usually mama, but but we want it to be dada. We lean in to first words. When a president is elected, whether we be libertarian or Republican or Democrat, we typically tune in to that inaugural address. Why? Because we want to know where is this president taking us? Where's the country going? And we lean in to first words. I think my entire ministry has been guided by first words. And the first words of Jesus' public ministry are going to be read to you this morning. You know, we remember in Luke the birth narrative. What a grand and glorious tale that was. A heroic story full of scary things. We we remember Jesus as a young man, very young boy, in the temple with the temple leaders. And then we fast forward again to his baptism in the river Jordan by John, where at that moment he was driven by the Spirit into the wilderness. And then he returns home. And we pick the story up. These are Jesus' first words of his public ministry. And they're recorded for us, and we're, we sit right, we got the best view. I mean, I love watching the masters on television. Because I got the best view in the house, right? There's nothing like being there, but if you really want the best view, we watch it on television. We have God's word, and it gives us the best view in the house. And so Jesus' first words are recorded here. Jesus went to Galilee and the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. And he went to Nazareth, where he'd been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went unto the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. And unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoner and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll. He gave it back to the attendant, and the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. 
These are Jesus' first words. You know, when I was learning to write, um, and I, 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 you know, I just I baffled my teachers uh, as they tried to get me to become a writer. But we learned, you know, in, in fourth grade, in fifth grade, in sixth grade, and in our young years about the importance of an opening paragraph. Got any, got any people who had to learn how to write an opening paragraph? It was a long time ago, I realized, uh, for some of us. But, um, and my daughters came home recently, my fourth grader. She's in Gwinnett County Public Schools. And, uh, she came home and she informed me, Dad, we're reading the classics. I thought, wow, way to go, Gwinnett County. I mean, that's awesome. You know, fourth grade, we're, we're already learning and reading the classics. Uh, I learned later, they were reading the opening sentence of the classics. <laughs> I said, oh, okay. Learned later that they were learning to write an opening sentence. Opening sentences, opening paragraphs, first words, oftentimes create the tone. They sometimes declare where the direction is going to go. They oftentimes describe what's going to happen. They draw us in. They capture our imagination. Jesus' first words captured my imagination. Tim asked me to tell you just a little bit about me and a little bit about Action Ministries and ways that we can maybe be involved together. My story is not that exciting. Um, the best thing about me are the, the people I know. That's, that's the best thing about me. Um, you know, I was raised by just incredible parents just over uh, the line in Cobb County. I graduated from McEachern, went on to the University of Georgia where I was just bound and determined not to follow in my father's civic service. He was a public servant and worked for Cobb County. And I was bound and determined not to do that. I got a business degree in international studies and studied German where I flamed out, realizing I was not going to make it as a linguist. And muddled through and got a basic management degree. Loved God's church. And always felt a hand, his hand upon me to do something in ministry. But really was quite determined that I didn't want to do that either. Because I was quite sure that God was going to send me, Mike, to a five-point circuit in South Georgia. I didn't know at the time that we weren't in South Georgia. (laughs) But I was quite sure that that's where I was going to get sent. And I didn't want to deal with anything below the Nat line. And so I muddled through banking and working in churches and being a youth pastor and uh, worked with Kevin Labello out at Social Circle. Um, and Joe Peabody, a dear friend and colleague in the ministry, you know, gave me the advice. He said, if you can't, you run from that call to ministry as long as you can. And when you can't stop, when you can't run any longer, you know you're called. And I finally answered the call. And I went to Candler where I met my bride, Laurie. And she's a United Methodist pastor, as Tim read in my bio. And um, we started, I wooed her. I used all the charm and moxie I have got to get her to move from Oklahoma to Georgia. And now I will forever owe her. And she she just, she's always going to use that as leverage. Um, and I, but but it was worth it. And so we got married, and we started pastoring churches 
and uh, we were appointed to churches in Carrollton. And in Carrollton, I'm, I'm a young pastor, she's a young pastor, and you can just imagine what Sunday afternoon was like at our house. You know, we come home, we, you know, get changed, get comfortable, have some lunch. What was the first question that would be out of my mouth? So how many were at your church today? <laughs> oh, we had, we had, we had 78. Oh, well, we had 81. <laughs> Doggone it. I could not enjoy it. I am too competitive. I wanted to win. And she didn't care. And we would, we would go round and round and, and, uh, and I went and worshiped at her church on a Sunday. We had to combine something or other. I have no idea what we were doing. But I, I listened to her preach. And I also watched her preparation for that. And I realized, oh dear God, literally, I cannot keep up. She was and is a phenomenal preacher. And I wasn't as good as she was. God has given her a gift. It's a remarkable gift. She can do it better with far less preparation than I could. It was a really hard and humbling thing to come to, Mike, to see that. But as I wrestled with that new knowledge, I felt God's giving me permission to chase that ministry into new places. And these words, these words about, you know, Jesus saying, it's the Spirit that is driving me and is going to drive my ministry toward the poor. I'm going to bring good news to them. And I'm going to bring healing to the blind. And I'm going to be with the sick. That's where my ministry is going to be. And I, I felt God just laying that on me. And so for the last 14 years, I have, I have taken my gifts for ministry, my passion for Jesus' church, my work in the business world and training at the University of Georgia, and I've mished it all together. It's not a word, is it? You know what I mean. Put it all together. And it has been an incredible ride. And I am in the sweet spot of where God wants me to be. And I want that for each of you. Um, so Jesus' first words have been defining for me. And, and I hearken back to those and, um, as, a part of my, as a part of my walk. And, and I think what I want to do is I want to be close to Jesus. I want to, I want to, you know, Tim, you talked about it. You're talking about following, taking the next step, I think was the way you put it. Taking the next step. Well, the next step is is in Jesus' footsteps. I want to be near Jesus, and, and yet, you know, like like many of you probably, uh, my day, you know, has a lot of routine in it, and I've got, you know, starts with morning devotions with our girls, and we read the upper room together, and it's a it's a really nice experience. Uh, until somebody looks down at their watch and goes, Oh my gosh, the bus is going to be here in 37 seconds. Hurry, everybody, move, mobilize. And, uh, you know, sometimes we don't even get the prayer, you know, at the end of the upper room. It's like, it's like, oh God, go with us. You do those prayers? You know, I mean, yeah, it's like, unfortunately, more often than not, that's the prayer. But, but these words in, in Luke, these first words have kind of already said to us where God's going to be. They've already kind of laid out who he's interested in being with. 
where his activity is going to be. And, and for those of us who want to be with Jesus, then he's kind of said, yeah, I'm not your good luck charm. I'm not your rabbit's foot. I am not going to be your buckeye. I am going to be out there. I'm going to be ahead of you. In fact, his closing words are Jesus was going ahead of us. This is where I'm going to be. And this is who I care about. And this is what's going to motivate me. And these are the kinds of activities that I'm going to be engaged in. And I want to experience his power. I want to, I want to, I want a piece of that action. I want to be with Jesus because Jesus has transformative power. And I want to be exposed to that. I want to be around that. That's why I do what I do, Tim. Is because when I work at Action Ministries, I know God's there. God's at work with the poor. And I get to join Him on the, on the field of play. It's not the only place God's at work. I know God's at work in all of our lives. But I, I feel God's presence at Action Ministries. You know, we, we got to serve in excess of a hundred thousand people last year. We got to supply more than 2.1 million meals to people who might not know where their next one's coming from. You know, the disciples got to participate, didn't they? They didn't just get drug around by Jesus to setting after setting where he preached and taught and healed. They got, they got thrown into the mix. They got, they got into the action. And I'll never forget the feeding miracle where Jesus you know, they're like, Lord, send them away. We're, it's getting late and, you know, the hour is late and we got, we got, you know, they need to go get something to eat. As if to say it's really about them, but really, in fact, the disciples were weary and worn out and tired and ready for it to be over for the day. And Jesus says, no, let's, come on guys, what do we got here? And they all kind of emptied their pockets and said, we really don't have anything. And Jesus says, well, give me what you got. Well, you know, five loaves, two fish, that's all we got. I mean, really, it's all we got. Jesus blesses it. He breaks it, and he puts it back in their hands. Dr. Mallard at Candler School of Theology loves to tell the story of how five loaves and two fish were just divided among the disciples, and they were invited to go and give it out. You know, I don't know. If I was a disciple, I think I might worry about getting mobbed in a scene like that with 5,000 people and a little teeny amount of food. But they were faithful, and they did give it out. And the rest was history. We get to participate, just like they did. 2006. 2006 was the storm of the century. Hurricane Katrina was swirling in the Gulf of Mexico. I remember it. It was late August, early September, right around Labor Day... And my in-laws were in town, and we were going to a very fancy restaurant. Because that's what you do when the in-laws come to town. They bring their checkbook, and you pick the restaurant. And it was great. It was like, this is the best. I love it when y'all come. And, uh, and, and so, but we, we were, there was a television, and I don't like this, when there's a television in my view while I'm trying to sit and have a conversation with you. Because I can't pay attention to what you're saying. Because I'm looking at that television. And I saw the entire Gulf of Mexico engulfed in this storm. It's a mother of all storms. And people, like, took heed. Like, they were like, yeah, 
You know, you ever see people, oh, we're going to ride it out. You know, ah. they didn't ride this one out. They got, they took, they took to the hills. And where did they go? Houston, Dallas, Birmingham, Atlanta. And we who were in Atlanta in that year remember being just overwhelmed by a tidal wave of people who showed up, clogged the roads, clogged everything up, and they had nothing but the clothes on their back. And I'll remember, I never forget, we were, we were sitting around the, the conference room table and we said, well, what are we gonna, are we, do we have a responsibility here? You know, we're not a relief agency. We are not UMCOR. We are not the Red Cross. We are not geared and equipped to deal with disasters. And somebody said, well, what's our mission? And we read the mission. It had to do with serving our neighbors in need. And somebody else said, well, they're our neighbors now. I was like, oh, crud. That's not what I said. But but I, I was like, yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know. What, so what can we do? And we said, well, we're really good at hunger relief. Let's, let's, let's get involved. Let's do something. So we put on our all points bulletin and Roswell United Methodist Church showed up. And what we said is bring us, bring us food and we'll distribute it in parking lots at Life University in Cobb County and at Target and Walmart all across the northern suburbs. We just are going to show up in places where people were gathered by the tens of thousands. And we did. And you did. And God showed up. And over time, all I said to the team was, just keep a simple count. And they were like, you've got to be kidding. Like, how are we going to do that? It's chaos out there. I said, just take a legal pad with you. And do tick marks. One, two, three, four, five. One, two, three, four, five. And they were like, okay. And we did. And they did. And time went by. And it finally eased off. It was a long time. I mean, it was a, that was a bad crisis in our nation's history. And finally, after about 40 days, we were gathered back around and things were returning somewhat to normal. And I, I remember being there and, and we were taking inventory. What, what had happened? What had we done? What had we seen? What were the stories? And I mean, it was just legend. And I said, well, how many did we serve? And they're like, you weren't serious, were you? I mean, really? I was like, yeah. And they're like, well, we got to go get the, I don't know, we got to go get the legal pads. And, you know, days later, to, you know, they counted it up. And I said, so? How many? They said, well, we served about 200,000 meals. I was like, wow, that's a lot. I said, uh, how many days again? They said, 40. I was like, whoa, 40. That's like a, you know, I'm not superstitious, but 40. 40, okay. 200,000 divided by 40 is what? 5,000 meals a day for 40 days. I was like, you know, it made the hair on the back of my neck stand up. I was like, God, wow, I got to be a part of that. I got to see your hand. I got to participate in the miracle, in the feeding miracle. We didn't have anything. Why serve the poor? Well, we could do it because Jesus commanded us to. That's a good enough reason, right? Or we could do it because that's where we're going to end up meeting the living Lord. And that's where his power is unleashed in the world. And it's not going to make the headlines. It's not going to make the AJC or CNN or Fox or the Supporter Report. But that's where the living Lord is at work in the world. 
and we can join him. And I'm loving it. It's hard work. Why Action Ministries? A lot of people say, why Action Ministries? It does happen to be a United Methodist-related agency of the North Georgia Conference. did happen to be started 50 years ago during the heat of great civil unrest. It was intended to be a faithful response by the local church to meet and serve people who are living in poverty. But that's not why I wanted to do it. I wanted to do it because, well, that's where Jesus was going to be. But I was in a plum spot, wasn't I, Chris? I was over there at Must Ministries 10 years, having a blowing and going. We were having so much fun. And Kevin and Chris said, you want to come to action, don't you? Just come on. And Action Ministries five years ago was just sucking wind. And it it was the parent of Must Ministries. Do you know that? It, it created Must Ministries. But Must grew up. It got out of the garage apartment. It moved on. It did important things. And it grew up to be stronger than the parent. Way stronger than the parent. So why leave such a comfortable place? A place where people knew my name. I was somebody. I was important. Why do that? Well, I'm, I did it for a lot of reasons. But I did it because I felt Jesus, first of all, urging me to do this. I wanted to be a part of something bigger. I wanted, I didn't want to have limits on what God could do. I wanted to be able to go and do what was important in the world without geographical boundaries. Every time in Cobb County we'd talk about doing something important in Paulding County, somebody would say, ah, let Paulding County take care of itself. Like, well, but we, we, we know how, we, we, we can do this. Yeah, well, that's not really our territory. <clears throat> Action Ministries had in its DNA the ability to say, let's flex, let's do it, let's lead the church of Jesus Christ with the cross and flame logo on it, let's lead Jesus' church in ministry with the poor. We can do that wherever there's a church and wherever there's a cross and flame. And we got 964 churches all across North Georgia and they're all mission outposts. And rather than inviting people to come and serve on one of our campuses, let's turn the whole model upside down and inside out and teach churches how to do this work. All of a sudden, we went from eight offices to 960 offices, potentially. And today, Action Ministries is vibrant. Action Ministries is growing. Action Ministries is in 63 counties across Georgia. And we touch North Carolina and Florida and South Carolina and Alabama. And we're in a lot of places. And we're in every nook and cranny. I just got back from a 13-county South Georgia swing where we are in places like Fitzgerald and Adel and Moultrie and Columbus and Albany and Albany and, forgive me, and Dublin and Claxton, home of what? Yes. Where there's not anybody doing this. I did it because I saw what's possible. And it's really exciting. And I hope you'll join us. I hope you'll join the Action Ministries bandwagon. But if not, go get involved somewhere. Get involved at North Fulton Community Charities. Get involved at Must Ministries. Get involved at the Atlanta Union Mission. Get involved. Because that's where God's at work. And you can be a part of it too. There's so many opportunities to get engaged with us, Tim. can serve at the warehouse, pack food boxes that are going to go out to 70 different churches every month. They're coming to get food boxes to serve the hungry in their community. Or you can 
make lunches during the summertime, where you can work with military veterans and their families who are looking for housing. You know, on any given night, there's 17,000 people in the state of Georgia who are homeless. 17,000. But the good news is, is that Action Ministries helped 1,700 of them find housing, stable housing, permanent housing, for good last year. That's 10%. We're moving the needle on homelessness in Georgia. We're making a difference in the lives of veterans and families. And there's all kinds of opportunities to get involved. Your skills are important. We can put you to work. We got 85-year-old lunch ladies involved, and we got six-year-olds and everybody in between. I have no idea how much time I've just taken, Tim. I am worried. You're right on. You're right on. I'm right on. So, all right, I'm supposed to close. Tim threw me this curveball. He's like, okay, now give them a question that they can talk about at their table. I was like, oh, what do I, what question do I have? So I thought about it. And here's, here's the question. So I, Ben Voiles of Voiles Automotive Group. Okay. He's on my board, serves with Tim. And I went to Ben and I said, Ben, you are so generous. And he is. He's a generous man. The family's generous. And the dealership is generous. I said, but but even your resources are limited. And they are. I mean, at some point, all of our resources are limited. I said, would you consider inviting your customers to participate in a fundraiser to help bring much-needed hunger relief to the communities where your dealerships are located? And Ben said, well, he's a good Methodist, by the way. He goes to the north side. Very involved. And he said, well, eh, I don't know. I don't know. I was like, that's what I expected, right? That's what you expect. But I got the idea because of what Public Supermarkets does, okay? So Public Supermarkets during the month of November, if you walk in there, and how many times does this happen to you? Where the, where you're checking out, you know, you got $3, your wife sent you to get, you know, blah, 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 and you're like, I got the blah, blah, blah. And then the lady at the register, typically the lady, says, would you like to donate? I got the idea from them. Because we get a million dollars a year of product from that campaign. And nine out of ten people don't do it. Nine out of ten people don't accept the invitation. But just one in ten does. And the one in ten turns into a million dollars worth of product. I was like, wow, okay, that's why I got the idea. And the Bank of North Georgia does it now in 42 of their branches. They all participate, and they raised $45,000 last year. I was like, Ben, how about your dealership? I'm like, ah, oh, I don't know. He said, what if, I was like, here it goes, here we go. He goes, what if we got all the automobile dealers in the state of Georgia to do it? I was like, yeah, I like that. So in January, he introduced me to the guy who runs all the, the Georgia Auto Dealers Association, he bought it hook, line, and sinker. And now we got 70 dealers this month that are participating and inviting their customers to participate. And we'll raise hundreds of thousands of dollars because people are willing to invite. People are willing to invite somebody. And it's not easy. And you're going to get turned down most of the time. Tim, you've got an invitation to the men to invite someone to this. I'd like for you all to think about who can you invite who can you invite to participate in some important ministry? What's on your heart? What's been on your heart? Why don't you all spend a few minutes discussing who can you be invitational with? It's just my thought.
Thanks. Okay, uh, just a couple couple of quick things, uh, and then we'll close with a with a word of prayer. Uh, first of all, I want to thank John for his message this morning. I really enjoyed it, and I also want to thank John for his work that he does uh, for God's glory. I mean, it's uh, you can see um, when you when you spend time with John, you can see a, um, see a man with a heart for God, and you can see God at work uh, impacting people's lives for eternity. So let, let's give it up for John for his message today. And his Okay, and as far as invitations go, I've got a couple of them for you. Um, it kind of fits in. We didn't plan this. A um, couple of things. One, um, we have our our, our monthly uh, listing of ministry opportunities. Um, there's a lot of them on there. Um, you know, I understand that the uh, barbecue went, went well and appreciate everybody's support with that uh, this past weekend. Um, we've got a number of items here. You can see the most summer lunch program. Um, and a number of opportunities, uh, hospitality opportunities, uh, at the church. So, um, please prayerfully consider these opportunities, uh, and, um, uh, if interested, contact Shelly. Her contact information's on the, on the lower portion of that. Uh, second thing is, um, I would like to, uh, actually meeting with, uh, Bob is, is still doing his work with the task force, and we're going to be meeting with, with, uh, a member of John's team, Mark Hellman, to talk about Maybe how the men can get involved uh, on a more consistent basis with Action Ministries in one of the many programs that uh, John talked about today. Uh, in addition to that, you'll find uh, I have an invitation for each one of you um, if you'd like to take a step today in, in terms uh, uh, to help uh, lead people out of poverty uh, through the hunger programs, um, the housing programs, the educational programs. You'll find in the middle of your uh, middle of each one of your tables. Uh, there is an envelope that will provide an opportunity for you to provide some financial support. Um, you know, any any size gift would be considered uh, significant. We we certainly heard that. I, I was saying in uh, uh, John's message, it was a reminder to me what God can do with so little. He can bless and multiply those seeds and make such an impact. So if you would please consider sowing a seed today um, for Action Ministries financially, it would be much appreciated. Um, and with that, uh, we'll ask uh, John to close us with a word of prayer and uh, on the National Day of Prayer. So, John. I invite you to do what you do when you pray. Let us pray together. Well, Lord, we are, we've been nourished. Um, we have, we've had fellowship. Um, we've heard your word. Uh, now send us forth. Grant us the courage we need to jump in and join and invite others. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.